very old. And uh, he had been doing this for a long time. In fact, he had been doing it almost 100 years. Like some men who have ongoing projects, he just kept building on it and building on it. And uh, a lot of people started uh, laughing at him. And they started saying, you know, that he was eccentric. And after a while, they started to say, well, he's just plain crazy. He was an old man. And, uh, but he just kept uh, tottering along and he kept building and he kept working and he kept building. And one day his project was finished. And he calls his family together and he says, it's time to get in. It's time to get in. And uh, so him and his family got in and the Lord called the animals. And two by two they came. And they got in the ark with, with Noah. And then, then the rains came. People didn't know what it was. They'd never experienced it before. But they, the rains came. And they started pouring harder and harder. God shut the door. God shut the door. And there was people who were beating on that door and saying, Open up! Let me in! They wanted to escape. They wanted to get away. They didn't want to face what was coming. But God had already shut the door. You see, tonight I was sitting here. Well, no, I wasn't sitting here. I was standing here and then participating and worshiping. And there are some who didn't want to participate. Now, now forgive me, I'm just going to be Brother Davis, okay? For those who know me, I teach on Sunday mornings, and this is, this is something out of my venue, and, and, and so I'm just going to be Brother Davis tonight. But there are some who are waiting to hear, to hear something from God. There are some who are waiting to see some great strike of lightning. There are some who are waiting to see some great apparition. But I want to tell you tonight that God has already sent it. You've already missed it. If you have not participated down here at this altar, if you have not lifted your hands to worship, you've already missed the sign. God's already moved. And you're back there wondering what's going to happen next. You want to miss it, then you have a right to miss it. But God's already moving. And all you have to do is participate. It was too late for them who couldn't get into the door. Don't let it be too late for you to wait to, to, to be a part of what's going to happen. Because one day that trumpet's going to sound. And you're going to be left behind. And you're going to say, God, don't forget me. If you're waiting for the preacher to do something great, you missed it. I can't do what God just did down here. It's already over. I'm just the encore. Now, have you got your Bibles? I'm not going to keep you long. Man, I didn't know what to do. Uh, if you will, turn to 2 Samuel 5. And I'm going to be reading from verse 19 to verse 25. 2 Samuel 5. I didn't know what was going on. I, I, I couldn't figure it out. I, I, I sought God all week long, and at first, the, I couldn't hear it. 
I couldn't hear the voice of God. I didn't know what, to, what I was going to I told my wife, I don't have a thought. I don't have an idea. I don't have a, a concept. I, not, I don't know what I'm going to preach. See, I, I'm not one of these guys that has canned sermons. I, I don't have a notebook full of sermons that I just reach in and pull out and say, this is what I'm preaching tonight. That's right, we don't have a canned God either. And I couldn't figure it out, what God was trying to speak to me about. But I, I, I got it down. And uh, let me just read my scripture before I preach my whole message and not even get to it. In, in 2 Samuel 5, starting with verse 19, And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thy hand. And David came to Baal-perazim, and David smote them there, and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal-perazim. And there... And there they left their images, and David and his men burned them. And the Philistines came up again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them, and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And let it be that when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself. For then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so, and as the Lord had commanded him, and he smote the Philistines from Geba unto thou come to Gezer. With the help of the Lord tonight, I want to preach to you the divine win. The divine win. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for what you've already done. I thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do. I pray that, God, as your emissary, as your vessel, God, that you would use me, Lord, to minister to somebody here tonight. God, I am so thankful that I can call upon your name and for the direction you've given tonight. And I ask in the name of Jesus that you would help this word speak to somebody's heart, deliver somebody, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you're, you're, you're powerful and that, God, your heart is, is towards your people. And I thank you, God, that you're willing and taking care of your people. I ask your blessings upon this message tonight. Loose my tongue and loose my thoughts, Lord, and help me to me deliver this message as you have given it. I ask your blessings and your touch in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Man, I've had people step all over my message tonight. I didn't know the direction of the Lord. I didn't know, understand why. He wanted me to minister tonight. But I want to tell you why God called, gave me this message tonight. You see, God wants me to break down some strongholds tonight. I'm coming against the stronghold of fear tonight. And I'm coming against the stronghold of doubt tonight. You see, God has not given us a spirit of doubt and fear, but He has given us a spirit of, of, of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We have been adopted by a Father that has not given us a spirit of weakness, but we have been adopted by a Father that has given us a spirit of power, a power to live holy and godly in an ungodly world. 
God is wanting to do something here tonight. God has already done something here tonight. It was the greatest time in David's life. King Saul was dead and David didn't have to run no more from him. He didn't have to hide anymore in the caves and run from him from different communities and different villages and huts. He didn't have to fear for his life anymore. David was at the height of his military strength and his his abilities. And at the beginning of this chapter of chapter 5, the elders of 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 the country of Israel, the, the elders of Israel came to David, to Hebron, and made him king over all of Israel. You see, David had it all going for him. You ever, you ever have that experience? There's, there's, there's just some times in your life when, when it seems like the angels are singing and, and, and everything just falls into place and you have one of the greatest weeks of your life. There's, there's, it seemed like you couldn't do no wrong. You see, that's the kind of kind of time that David was having right then. And the Lord had given King David all kinds of victories and all kinds of uh, uh, battles that he would won over his enemies. But if you look through these different verses that, that I have read tonight, the one thing that David had, the one thing that David did was that he inquired of the Lord. He sought out the Lord. How many times do we start to do things for God? And we just do them. We don't ask, God, is this right? God, is this the direction that you want me to do? go? Is this the thing that you want me to do? We just do them. We don't care if maybe God doesn't want us to go to this village. I, I, I'm, I'm reminded, of, uh, reminded of Paul when he wanted to go to Macedonia. He said, no, not yet. I want you to go around this way. You see, God has a direction in each of our lives, and if we're sensitive to the leading of the Holy Ghost, God will lead us to the places where He can give us victories. It's when we walk in the carnalities of our flesh that God takes away the, 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 His divine protection, and then, and then when, we are, we're, when we're in the midst of our troubles, and we're out of the will of God, we're saying, God, where are you? I want to say that there are so many times that even the enemies of God have become so arrogant. They don't feel like they have to worry about the church of God. They don't have to feel like they have to, they have to do anything to, to appease the, the men and women of God that live here in America or, or other places in, our, in, in other countries. They feel like that they can just do whatever they want to do to the church of God and, and just the church will just roll over and play dead. Well, you see tonight, I'm not playing dead. And I'm not rolling over and letting somebody just, just take away my God. And I'm not just going to do whatever I want to do in this world. You see, God's called me for such a time as this. God's called you to live a holy life in an unholy world. There's a church age. I want to tell you that the church age tonight is not over. There are some who think that the church is dead. There are some who think that we are just a place until our old people die off and that other, our young people can come up to a point where they'll just leave the church. They're saying there's no power in the church. There's no power in our God. But I'm here to tell you tonight, I live and serve a powerful God. We're not alone in this fight. We're never going to be like the world. We're never going to be accepted by the world. 
We're never going to be, 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 be allowed to do the things that the world does. So why do, we allow, why do we put ourselves in a position where we try to be like the world? God doesn't want us to do some things. God doesn't want us to live a certain way. God doesn't want us to be like the world. He says, come out from among them and be ye separate. So why do we always want to be like the world? Don't you know? Don't you know? They hated my Jesus. Don't you know they hated him first? They crucified him. And they're going to hate you too. They're not going to like you. So why do you want to be like them? Why, why do you want to live like them? Why do you want to dress like them? Why do you want to talk like them? Why do you want to go around and, 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 and wear the, 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 the kind of clothes that reveal things that shouldn't be revealed? Why do you want to have your hair cut short or have your hair grow long to a point where, where it's a shame for a man to have long hair? Why do you want to go there? You're not a part of the world. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you'll never be a part of the world. You're going to end up with all kinds of guilt, and you're going to feel like yourself is you're, you're, you're never going to fit into the world, and you're never going to fit into the church, and you're just walking around in misery. Why don't you just get in this thing and just walk it the way it needs to be walked? Why don't you get a hold of your Jesus and live it like it needs to be lived? Why don't you get a hold of Jesus and let the world see what's all growing bright in your life? Why don't you get a hold of Jesus and let the world see a way of hope and a way of salvation? Quit trying to please the world. It won't work. You're never going to please the world. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians, that God sends them strong, delu strong delusions. The world has a delusion to think that they've got it all together. The world has a delusion that thinks they, 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 they've got, they're on top of everything, that they, got, they can control cancer, they, 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 can, they can heal the body of whatever's wrong with it. They think that they can heal the mind with, with whatever's wrong with it. The world thinks that it's full of so much knowledge that there's nothing else for them to discover. We're all worried about toning down our doctrines. We're, we're, so, we're so worried about, oh, we, we want to reach the world. We want to touch the world with this gospel message. But, but, but we can't preach this. We can't preach this. We can't teach about, about, about the way to live holy. We want to tone down our doctrines to a point where there's no effect. You see, nobody's going to love you like my Jesus will love you. The World Christian Database, as of 2007, estimated the growth rate of a Christianity at 1.38%. Pentecostalism, described by the Pew Forum of, on Religion and Public Life as a group, has grown, according to researchers, from 70, 72 million in 1960 to 525 million in the year 2000. This Pentecostal message is still burning. This apostolic message is still on fire. Now, the devil may not want you to understand that. 
The, the devil wants you to see all the problems that the church has. Oh, this person isn't living right. I've seen this person do this. Oh, the church doesn't have no power. What I want to tell you, the church still has power. I want to tell you, God is still moving. And you may doubt your God, but I don't doubt my God. My God's still pulling down the enemy's strongholds. The weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. And God is still delivering souls from hell. There is something happening in the church world. And whatever can be shaken will be shaken. If it takes a little shaking to get a few of us on our right feet, then let's do it. Let's do it. But I don't want to be broken loose from this. I don't want to lose out. We are so close. The raindrops are starting to fall. God's calling the church home. And why do you want to quit now when the quitting is when God's so close to coming? God is still in a delivering business. God may prune our branches. Praise God for that, because that means they're making room for growth. When God prunes our branches, God's getting ready for cause us to grow. The church isn't dying; it's getting ready to grow. Why do you think it's dead? Why do you think it's not moving? Because the church is moving. God is still moving. God is still working. God is still calling souls. This is not just an ordinary wind that God sent. God sent and said, David, wait till the, the, the there's, there's a sound that, on, on top of the mulberry trees. You see, it wasn't just an ordinary wind. It was a d- divine wind. You see, there's a difference. There's a difference. The Scripture says that no man knows where the, the wind blows, where it lifts. But when God sends a divine wind, you know it's from God. You know that when God sends His warriors, when God sends His people to do something, that we're going to accomplish what He sent us to do. The Word of God is not going to fall to the ground void, but it's going to accomplish that what it is sent out to do. You see, people think that the wind has stopped blowing as on the day of Pentecost. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. You think, you think hurricane, hurricane Katrina was a wind? You think Hurricane Katrina did some damage? You have no idea what God's going to do when His wind starts blowing and starts destroying the strongholds of the enemy. There's no one that's going to prevail against my God and against His message. No one's going to destroy this gospel message. No one's going to take away its word. And no one's going to take away its power. I can remember pictures of seeing what happened with Katrina. They tried to warn them. They tried to warn people, leave, leave. There's a hurricane coming. And just just like everybody else, oh, I've been through other hurricanes. I can survive it. Oh, boy, did I... You looked at those pictures and for miles and miles there was flat land or trees where there was, where there was supposed to be leaves and houses. All there was was just barren trees. And some places not even that. You see, my Bible tells me that there's coming a time when no man will work and he's calling the church home. 
You see, there's a time that's coming that you, 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 you can sit here and watch and wait and see what's going to happen next. But one day that door's going to close. One day. It's going to be too late. And you're going to say, God, what am I going to do? Take me. And it's going to be too late. The door's closed. <laughs> there are many examples of God sending divine winds in the Scriptures. Genesis 8.1, God remembered Noah and God made the wind to pass over the earth. Exodus 14.21, Moses stretched his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind. Numbers 11.31, and there went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quail from the sea and let them fall by the camp. Oh, what a mighty God I serve that even from the seas God is able to bring meat. By Jonah 1 and 4, the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. And more and more, Acts 2 and 2, and there came, from, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. You see, there's some things that we have not yet experienced. There's some things that we have not yet heard. We, there, are, there are people who have been in this church for years and years and years and years. And I thank God for you. You're, you're, you're the pillars of our, our assembly. You're the people who we rely on to show that, that God can keep us through every situation. I thank you for being here. I thank you for being faithful with God. But even you have not heard everything that God has for you. There are things in heaven that we have still not yet to experience. There are things in heaven that we have not yet seen that God is going to reveal. And see, if you think that you've seen it all and you've heard it all, I want to tell you tonight, you've not seen nothing yet. My God's got something for you that you've never seen before. And it's a great revival. God's sending a revival to McCormick's Creek. And God's going to bring new souls into this place. And God's going to do some great things here yet. We are so, so apathetic in our faith. Oh, I've heard it all my life. Oh, I've seen it all. No, no, you haven't heard it yet. You haven't seen it all yet. God's still got a few surprises for you. <laughs> oh, Acts 2 and 17, it says this, And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. God is not done pouring out His Spirit. You see, there's still some souls. There's still, still some souls that are burning in hell. There's some, still some people who are walking with hell here on earth. And I'm not trying to cuss. But I'm trying to tell you, there's some people walking around with the judgment of damnation on their shoulders. There are people who are lost and dying. There are people who are in the flames of despair. And they're needing an apostolic man or woman of God to reach into those flames and say, Hey, I've got a message for you. I've got a message from God. And you don't have to walk in the middle of your damnation. But you can receive deliverance from God if you'll just let Him. God's those got people who are needing to be saved. And if we don't do it, who will? We have forgotten. We have forgotten what we are. We're not just another place to come on a Sunday night. 
We're not just a physical building, but we are the representation of Jesus. We are the spiritual place. We are the spiritual house. We are the spiritual people who are, who are sent here as the only place, like the, the ark, that, that, that people can come and receive peace and receive hope and receive redemption because they're not going to get it out in the world. You're not going to find redemption in a bottle. You're not going to find redemption from drugs. You're not, you're not going to find redemption from, from, from relationships. There's, some, there's, some, there's, some, there's some, some people, some prostitutes that still need delivered. There's some drug addicts that don't know that they can still be delivered. Where do they go? If this is no place, if this is not spiritual, where do they go? You think God, God can't deliver them? Why not? He delivered you. Satan is not in control of the church. Satan is never going to be in control of the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. God is still calling men to reach into those flames. There's a Jimmy out there who needs salvation. There's a Paul out there who needs salvation. There's a Peter out there that needs salvation. And they're saying, who, who will speak to me? Who will show me a different way of life? You see, you, see, you think God is powerful or powerless? Then what, what happened to Sister Tyner? What, 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 what happened to Sister Bishop? I, I, you, you, you think that God can't heal? I, I, can tell, I, I can tell you of many, many experiences that I have had that God has healed me. My God can do it to you too. If you're an addict tonight, you can receive deliverance down here at this altar. If you have a bad habit of smoking cigarettes and you think you're doing it in secret, you can come down here tonight and you can receive deliverance. If you've got an alcohol problem, God can bring deliverance from you tonight. All you have to do is open up your heart and God will deliver you. God's in the soul delivering business. God's in the healing business. God is in the business of bringing hope to the hopeless. Why do we think that God can't do it anymore? Just because it's 2011? <laughs> We're getting ready to go into another year. We get all oh, we get into the we get into this thing about dieting, number one thing, New Year resolution. We get into this thing about oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start running, I'm gonna start exercising. I'm going to start doing this and I'm going to start doing that because it's the new year. Well, why don't you just make a resolution right now that in the next year we're going to get closer to God? Why don't we quit playing patty cake with God? You see, there is coming a time that there won't be no more time to do anything. And I, 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 don't, I don't want to be left behind. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. 
and put darkness for light and light for darkness and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You see, we've come into another season. We've come into another season of time when the world wants to denigrate or tear down our God. We come into another time in the season where they don't want to hear about the Christ child. You see, we, I was listening to a radio on Thursday, and there was a guy on there. He was an atheist. And he said, I don't care about your Christmas. You, can, you want to celebrate Christmas? Go ahead and celebrate it. You want to put up a Christmas tree? Go ahead and put up a Christmas tree. I don't care. It's, we know that it's, we're at such a point in, in, in our society that it don't mean anything. It, it, it absolutely does not mean anything. It has become so secularized. And, and you talk to people at work. I talk to people at work, and they say, oh, you know, it's just so commercialized. All they want is my money. All they want is they, they want me to give gifts to people so, I, so they, 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 can, they can get my money. Almost sounds like the church, don't it? <laughs> but, you know, this guy said, but whatever you do, don't you bring out Jesus. Don't you, don't, don't you talk about my Jesus. Or, excuse me. Don't you talk about Jesus because they don't want to hear it. Then it becomes religious. So now, now we have school systems that say, well, it's not a Christmas tree anymore. It's a holiday tree. We have governors of some states that say no longer do we have a, a Christmas holiday. It's, a, it's just a holiday time. Retailers are starting to realize now that uh, they're no longer able to, to just say holiday time, but they're starting to go back. To, to the fact that it's Christmas time. Holiday time is such a benign time. But when you talk about Jesus, when you talk about the virgin birth, when you talk about the, the, the Savior being born into the world, oh, the world doesn't want to hear about that. <laughs> they don't want to know about what my Jesus can do because he can do a lot. So they want to keep him in a box. They want to keep him quiet. They want to keep him away from what he really is all about. You see, our president, recent, our, our president recently, this week actually, lit a Jewish menorah. And what he ended up doing was insulting the Jewish religion. He had no idea what he was doing. And so he lit all the candles. And not realizing that each time you light one of the candles, there was a symbol involved in it. And... Uh, he just, he just totally insulted the Jewish religion. And he has no understanding what he did it, uh, why he did it, he, other than the fact that he wanted to prove that he was pro-Jewish. But he ended up ins insulting the Jewish religion. You see, the world th thinks your faith and my faith has no value. I can remember in 1990, I can remember in 1990 when, when Desert Shield started and all the war, the the armies of the world came together against Iraq and they said is this the time the world especially here in America they started saying is this the time is this the day of Armageddon is this the time that 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 the world is going to come to an end and so so people started asking questions and and a lot of people came to know the Lord because they feared that that this was the end of times they they, they thought that this was the time that uh, they better get right before Jesus comes back. You see, I know that the Scripture says that no man knoweth the day nor the hour of his appearing or his, of his return, but maybe I can help you with the, 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 the time that God is going to return. 
In Matthew 24 and 12 through 14, it says, And because the iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then the end shall come. When this gospel message is preached in all the world, then the end shall come. My brothers and sisters, we are at that time. We are at that time. It doesn't take a war. It doesn't take another desert uh, shield or desert storm. But we are at that time. You see, Jesus asked a very important question. Will he find faith when he returns? Will he find faith? Because the love of many shall wax cold. Where's your faith? Where's your love? Have you left your first love? I can remember in the early mid nineties and eight or excuse me, mid eighties. I was a young man then, not like I am now. Um, I started hearing about these new Bibles that are being written. One was being written by the feminist movement. You know, they were just coming in, in, into their own and they, they were gaining power and notoriety and political clout and they wanted to change the Bible. They want to take out all of the male pronouns and uh, just leave it as a neutered gospel message. That fell flat. <clears throat> and I can also remember that there was, a, there was a group of people that wanted to take the Bible and, and rewrite it and replace the God for a God, a, a, a small God. You see, the world is trying to silence this gospel message. But I want to talk about the newest thing that is, t- is taking the Christian world. Just so you know what's coming. It's called Chrislam. The concept of Chrislam, now embraced by such people as Rick Warren and Robert Schuller, appears to have emerged from a program on the meaning of love your neighbor at Grace Fellowship Church in Atlanta, Georgia. In 2001... John Smallsmith, Stallsmith, he's the outreach minister for the Grace Fellowship, says, Jesus says that we should love our neighbor, but we can't do that without having a relationship with him. Stallsmith maintains that the relationship between the Muslims and the Christians can be achieved by the fact that Jesus is mentioned four, uh, 25 times in the Koran. The, the Chrislam movement has gained impetus by statements by George Bush, and by such pastors as Rick Warren and Robert Schuller, that Christians and Jews and Muslims can all worship the same God, and that Rick Warren once mentioned or referenced Isa or Issa, I-S-A, the Muslim name for Jesus, in his prayers at the inaugural, uh, inauguration of President Barack Obama. You see, they want to make your, 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 your gospel message of no effect. The word Islam is a word that means submission. They want to bring everybody into submission to one faith. But it's a submission of fear. It's a submission not of obedience, but of obedience through fear. They want to submit, make women submit to keeping themselves so covered that they become uh, nothing more than than, than, a... are no greater object than, than maybe your dog or your, or your cat. 
In Islam, a woman is a pet. Basically, they have no rights. They have no abilities to, to, to question authority. And they are, they are constantly being subjected to rules and regulations that, that don't even, are, are not even in the Koran. Which leads to, to people who, who do crazy things that um, they become suicide bombers. We have, become this, we, we have so stumbled over Jesus so much that we don't know what to do with Him. We think, we think that, oh, there's, there's going to be another day, another time that I can come to church. But you see, I want to tell you that there's not going to be another day someday. You better make your heart right now. You know, you can, you can sit back there at every worship service and say, oh, this is enjoyable. Or you can be a part of it. There are, there are those who came down here, and without a, God, without a doubt in my mind, God has talked to those people. God has touched those people. But there are some who have, who have said, no, I just, I'll, I'll, I'll get into the preaching, and then I'll, I'll come down. It's too late. God's, God's moved. If you think that I can do anything better than what happened here earlier tonight, you're, you're, you've missed it. You see, I'm not gonna, I don't serve a, 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 a lesser God. But for some, in, in, in Romans 9 and, and 33, it says, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So what, what, what is the world doing with this Jesus? They're trying to make him little. Islam wants to make him little. That's, I talked about the Koran, mentioning 25 times. But the problem is, is that in the Koran, they say that Jesus was just a prophet. They don't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They don't believe that Jesus came down and uh, it was God robed in flesh and come down and saved mankind, to save mankind. But that he was just a prophet and even as a prophet he was wrong. He got it wrong. That's why they rely on Muhammad. You see, what are you going to do with this Jesus? Are you, are, are you going to keep him in your locker and pull him out when you need him? Maybe, maybe you're going to keep him as your co-pilot and... And, and, and after that, 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 that time when you're, you're almost out of control, you say, Jesus, take the wheel. What are you going to do with this Jesus? Are you going to take him out of your closet and walk him around a little bit and bring him to church on Christmas and Easter? You see, Jesus is not for just one or two times or two experiences or, two, or when you're in the midst of your trouble. Jesus is an everyday God. And all you have to do is you become a part of him. Allow him to become a part of your life. You know, uh, bro, brother, um, I'm ha I'm having a <laughs> brother Daniel here has already said it. We hide Jesus in our heart and we carry him with us. And we make sure that when, when, when we need him, he's there. But, and he will be there. But if we don't use the word of God, if we don't apply the word of God to our lives, we're, we're, it'll be like sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. You know, it's, it, 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 there's just no way that God can be effective or as effective if we don't allow Him to be a part of our lives. I started out this morning talk, or tonight talking about the idea that God has come here to destroy the strongholds of fear and doubt. Don't ever doubt that my God cannot reach into a situation in your life that He cannot deliver you from it.
My God is able to take and deliver you from, 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 from the darkest hour and the darkest moment. There's no reason for you to worry about. There, there, there's nothing that you have to worry about that, 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 that you want to give up your life. There, there's nothing in this world worth your life. There's nothing in this world worth you destroying your soul in suicide. Suicide is not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Many of us have heard about the way of the samurai. The way of the samurai followed what was called the Bushito or Bushido Code. The Bushido Code was a code that dealt upon the fact that they lived frugally or very sparingly, and it was a code that dealt with loyalty and honor. It was loyalty and honor before death. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's important that we understand that we have a code too. It's, in, it's written in the Bible. It's written in the Bible to live holy. We need to submit ourselves unto the loyalty of Jesus Christ and quit trying to seek after other things that are trying to destroy your walk with God. We need to live a holy life so that others can see Christ in us. We need to get a hold of this gospel message and let others hear about what God has done in your life. There's not a person in here that I know that has not been touched by God in some way, in some form, in some fashion. There's not a person in here that God has not delivered in some situation. And so why can't we take that gospel message out into the world and talk about how God has done this for you? I, I know of people in here who have been healed of diseases. Well, I know of people in here who have had struggles and situations that have been delivered because God has intervened on their behalf. We don't know how to turn. We don't know where to turn. But when we bend our knees in prayer, then God is able to do a, enter into the situation and do something about it. We've got to quit letting, letting our carnal minds and our carnal thinking guide our footsteps. We need to go to the Word of God and rely upon the Word of God and the guidance of those Scriptures to get a hold of our hearts. We need to understand that God can still deliver. His name was Isuko Yamamoto. And after the attack on Pearl Harbor, he says, I fear that we have done, all we have done is awaken a sleeping giant and fill him with a terrible resolve. We need to wake up. We need to wake up and quit being so apathetic about our faith. They need, to, they need to see, this world needs to see our Jesus. This world needs to see an example of what it's like to live for God. We don't need to talk like other Christians talk. We need to talk like a holy talk, a holy language. We need to quit saying words that, that, that bring shame to the name of Jesus. We need to stand up for the cause of Jesus Christ. I ask you to stand. I'm closing. On September 8, 2009, Marine Sergeant Dakota Meyer was one of 13 American military trainers embedded with a unit of 80 Afghan soldiers headed for a routine meeting with local elders in the village of Gingal, located in a valley along the border with Pakistan. Four trainers at the front of the U.S. Afghan force was immediately trapped by heavy enemy fire believed to be coming from as many as 150 Taliban fighters. Positioned in the rear position when the ambush, ambush began, Meyer and other members of his unit disobeyed orders to remain in place and used a Humvee to rush into the kill zone to try and rescue the four trapped in the head of the, the column. 
Manning the Humvee's Turk gun, he killed at least eight insurgents. Meyer rescued 36 Afghan and American troops in his first four attempts to reach the four trapped trainers. He and his team members finally broke through on their, to their position on the fifth attempt and moved on foot through a hail of gunfire only to find that they had been killed in the fight. The four had been killed in the fighting. Not to be outdone, Myers retrieved each of their remains and carried them back to a place of safety. Killed in the fighting were Marines First Lieutenant Michael Johnson, Marine Staff Sergeant Aaron Kinnick, Marine Gunnery Sergeant Edwin Johnson, and Navy Hospital Corpsman Third Class James Layton, as well as eight American soldiers and an interpreter. Army First Class Sergeant Kenneth Westbrook died a month later from the wounds that he received in that battle. In a measure of heroism displayed by the U.S. forces that day, two of Meyer's fellow Marine, Marines, Captain Fabio and Sergeant Staff Sergeant Juan Rodriguez Chavez, each received the Navy Cross to the service's second highest award of it for valor. In an interview with ABC's Bob Woodruff, World News with Diane Sawyer, Meyer says that he, if he was to face the same situation again, I would do it a hundred times over. Though he would only change one thing, I wish I could keep them alive. Marine, Staff, Marine Sergeant Dakota Meyer of rural Kentucky received the nation's highest honor and received the Congressional Medal of Honor this September for heroism beyond the call of duty. God's looking for some heroes. God's looking for some heroes. The Marine Code is Semper Fi, Latin for always faithful. God's looking for some people who are always going to be faithful. I don't know where you are in your walk today. I don't know what's holding you back from committing your life to Jesus or committing your life to, to walking this way. But God is looking for some people who are willing to take and under the fire of this world, under the criticisms of this world, under the disdain and the, 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 the ridicule that comes with living for Jesus, He's looking for some people that say, I don't care what you say, I'm still going to serve my God. Tonight, you can, you can go out of this place and, and, and just say, oh, that was, that was a fine sermon Brother Davis preached. Or tonight, you can come down here and renew your commitment to God. It's up to you. But again, I tell you, one day that door is going to close. One day, there won't be no more services here. They will be over. The pianos will go silent. The drums will not beat anymore. The guitars will never hear the strum anymore. And there will be nobody here to raise their hands and worship because they will be gone. What do you want to do tonight? That choice is yours. Thank you, Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to think about what was just said. When God shuts the door, no one can open it. He closed the door on the ark.
no more hope. For the people on the outside, regardless of what they would try to do, they weren't able to get on that boat. They weren't able to float above what was coming. We have an opportunity tonight to get ourselves in the ark of safety. And that begins with coming to the altar and repenting. Saying, God, I'm sorry for what I've been and I want to make some changes. I don't want to be what I have been all, the, all my life. I want to make some changes. It begins with that. And that's all I'm asking this evening. That's all I'm asking. If you'd like to make some changes in your life, if you would like the opportunity to be saved, truly be saved, not just to believe that Jesus existed, but to believe enough to say, God, I want to live for you, and I want my life to make a turn right now, and my direction should be towards you, not away from you. Would you come? Would you come? Every head bowed, every eye closed, would you come? Would you make your way down here? And then begin that change. Repentance is again saying, God, I'm sorry. And being sorry enough to make to quit being what you were. I no longer want to be that person. That's what repentance is all about. Talking to God is like talking to your best friend. I need some help. I can't do this on my own. I, I can't make the changes in my life. I've tried to. I've tried so hard all my life to be a good person, but it, I always seem to fail. And you always will unless you have His help. But it's making a decision. I do want to stop. I want to quit. I'm not going to be a lost. Not going to be a long altar call. All that needs to be said has already been said. You need to step out. You need to listen to what God is speaking to your heart right now. You feel that grip. You feel that your chest is tight because you know that you need to make some changes. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? Lord bless you. There are people down here. The singers are going to be singing. And I ask you please to be quiet in the congregation. If you must talk, please go out into the vestibule. Lord bless you.